Okay. So, you know, you've got um, all these different mutant Neosapiens running around now. Raptor Neosapiens, Crab Neosapiens, Bat Neosapiens, and so on. So, you know, the war is going to end at some point, and I don't want to give away too much in case we do actually have listeners who are watching this show for the first time, but what happens after the war? I'm assuming at least a few of these things are going to survive. Do they just <laughs> get jobs? I'm, I'm normally th- into society? Um no, probably not. I bet they have a I bet they have a biological kill switch. You think? Well, we know how paranoid Phaeton is, right? That's true. Like, I bet, I bet he built that shit in. Like, I don't think they ever talk about it in the show, but I bet he built that in. So, is it and, like a thing where someone has to flip the switch, or is it like a timed, like after a certain number of months or years, they just die? I, I bet, I bet it's like an Order sixty six situation. Like, you, you just, you just broadcast a certain frequency, and they all just fall over dead. Dark. Well, and I, and if if they did survive, man, like. There's definitely going to be some like social casting after that, right? Right. Like, well, this is what I'm wondering. It's like, does like SS Crabman the third, like the Neo Sapien Crab Monster, like get a job, and then is he like picked on at work, or has a hard time like finding anything above like just kind of janitorial work or something? Raptor Sapiens are going to be the like service industry. Right. <laughs> right. They become I know. the new working class. Oh, that's oh! I don't. I hate this now. I hate this. <laughs> <laughs> right. I don't know. We were watching the. We were watching the episode for today, and I was just like, "What? What is going to happen to them?" <laughs> Nothing. Going to leave them all in Australia, like. <laughs> but they can swim and fly. <laughs> They'll put shark nets around the entirety of Australia. <laughs> oh man! It, like, like, does that count as an invasive species? I don't. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> We gotta, yeah, because, as if Australia we gotta, like, didn't need more reasons to have like scary like flora and fauna. We we gotta start having like airport checks for this shit. Like, are you bringing? <laughs> are you bringing any? What what is their actual name? I don't remember. Like, is there a term for them yet? I don't think so. I think like you know we'll get the uh, with the next batch we'll get a name for those ones. Uh, again, don't want to get too far ahead, but I don't think we really get you know bat bat sapien crab sapien. Mm. I, I think. Yeah, we just kind of have them. Oh man, uh, there's, gonna, a, there's def, there's definitely going to be redlining when the yeah, war ends if they're, yeah. if they're still there. No, no crabs allowed in this neighborhood. <laughs> oh. Well, oh, sorry. Okay, now we we do not have to follow this through in our discussion. We should get into the episode <laughs> itself. But now I'm having all kinds of like weird thoughts about can can they? Oh my god, how do I say this? It's like, is, would they be miscegenation? Like, can they? mix with other near sapiens <laughs> like... see that's a well so uh that's it's one a of those disturbing like, questions <laughs> <laughs> kind of a spoiler thing for how the last episode goes um but yeah i don't know that's a i mean because you gotta imagine there's gonna be like a uh, again we don't have to explore this too far uh because it's kind of grotesque but there would definitely be a like fetish market there for sure oh 
Uh, oh, this uh, just keeps getting worse and worse. Yeah, I mean, dino <laughs> porn is like a is a genre of like erotic novel you can get on Amazon. Um, I think it, we've talked uh, about this on the show before. So tr- trust trust me, I know enough artists who do furry commissions to understand exactly what you're talking. <laughs> well, even worse thing than what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I mean, that's going to be a thing. That's that's absolutely going to happen. Um, dark i mean the future is dark i think for the uh for neosapien mutants post-war yeah yeah it would be like if if aton actually wins this war Mm -hmm. that's no one's gonna be happy or you know i mean even if they lose because like obviously like i'm I'm not again i don't want to give away too much but you're not going to have like the the um neosapiens are not going to be eradicated uh if humanity wins the war and so like you know well we don't know that we don't know that like Imagine, because, like, you imagine if they won and the population of, like, the Terran population is so severely reduced that it creates ripe situations for, like, radical groups to actually take power. Mm. Like, yeah. I, 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 think there, I think there could be a definite chance that there would be groups calling for the eradication of all remaining and surviving Neo-Sapiens and definitely... a terrible... Oh, go ahead. And a terrible and a terrible prospect for them to actually like go through with it. Yeah. I mean, I think that's that's like a possibility, but just working within what the show gives you of the post-war yeah. peace settlement, like because that's again, you know, we'll talk about it when we get there. But again, one of the things that's always stuck with me for the entire length of you know my fandom of this show since the first time I watched it was just how interesting and well and just like thoughtful I think the kind of peace settlement is. Um, and what they land on there again, don't want to get to it. We'll save that for the last episode, but gosh, yeah, yeah, yeah. um, whenever we do get to the end of the series, which I guess isn't that far off. No, we're on episode 32 of 53. I think it's something like oh, that. Wow. So we're, we're past the halfway point here. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're well. You're still with us, dear listener. Thank you so much. <laughs> uh, and yeah, yeah, let us know what your thoughts are for what might happen to the, uh, the poor animal Neosapiens. <laughs> The animal uh, sapiens. Animal sapiens. There you go. Animorphs. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I just keep thinking of that that kids book series, Animorphs, which uh, also a surprisingly dark series. If you if you ever read it, <laughs> I've never read it, but I've watched like YouTube reviews of like the top ten weirdest, darkest moments in Animorphs, and it's like, oh shit, <laughs> these people don't fuck around. Interesting. The book covers alone now. disturbed me, so I never bothered to read them, but. <laughs> Yeah, maybe that should be our next podcast. Is just reading the Animorph series. Ooh. I mean, I'm actually kind of here for it. Yeah, that could be fun. Uh, that or Dinoborn. You, you, oh. you, you are making some deep assumptions that I know how to read. Uh. <laughs> All right, well, maybe we'll read and we'll explain it to you. As the, yeah, yeah. As the PhDs in the room, we're at least technically qualified to read books. I've only got a master's degree. I'm not qualified to read books. <laughs> all right (laughs) so uh this episode is called the dream war written by mark edens and introduce ourselves really quickly oh we didn't no we didn't (laughs) because i'm terrible host welcome you are listening to the exo friends podcast on the elder millennial network i am one of your hosts dave hoyt and the other two hosts sitting somewhere across the country from me are Kayvon fashami and lexi decarding Someday we're gonna switch it up and like and like not and change the order. I think I'm, I'm gonna like, have. I'll have to go first. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> and, and as we were saying before, before Kayvon just so rudely shot me down, um, <laughs> we, <laughs> this this episode is called The Dream War, and it is written by Mark Edens and Martin Pasco. Martin, unfortunately, passed away in 2020. Um, I'm assuming there's no... I'm assuming it is unfortunate. Uh and he wrote mostly for DC Comics uh, wow. in his outside of television work. Not like a lot of long runs or anything or anything that seems super famous from what I saw on the list, uh, at least as a you know armchair DC fan as I am. Uh, but as far as cartoons go, he had some fun stuff on there. Uh, Thundar the Barbarian, which, you know, it, from the era of like Hanna-Barbera Space Ghost cartoons and things like that, one of the better ones. It actually had like this cool little blob family that just kind of wobbled around and went, blah, 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 blah. Um, <laughs> I'm intrigued. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a pretty it was one of the, it was a pretty good uh pretty good cartoon from that era. I mean they were all I wouldn't I wouldn't say any of them are like you know masterpieces, but they were fun. They were fun. Yeah. Um uh My Little Pony, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Roseanne. <laughs> like, <laughs> you, you an- got it animated make series? I, I assume that's not the animated series. Is there an animated Roseanne series? Yeah, there hang on a be. second. <laughs> I feel like there is. All right, I'm googling this now because I'm I'm seriously curious. Roseanne, oh my, wait, no, Little Rosie. Is that yeah? Like, there's Little Rosie. That's what I'm thinking of. Get out of here! No way. Wait, is that is that about Roseanne? Yeah, it's it looks like it's like kid loosely based on comedian Roseanne Barr's childhood. This animated series aired in the in the day late in the day on ABC Saturday morning lineup, which is probably why I never saw it. Um, well, despite this, despite discovering that gem, I don't think that's what he wrote for. I think he wrote for the actual sitcom, like the actual TV show. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but now I know that that's out there. My brain will be intrigued until I go out and watch some clips. Uh, yeah, yeah. Other other. Th- other notable things: Bucky O'Hare, Batman, The Tick, yeah. one of my favorite cartoons. Mm-hmm. If you've if you've never watched The Tick Amazon series, highly recommend it. Really good. Wait, um, there's a Tick Amazon series. Hang on a second. Yeah, it only it only lasted two or three seasons, uh, but it is fantastic. No way. Is it animated? No, it's it's live action. So you remember you remember Patrick Warburton and some other people tried to make like a live action per broadcast do. series of the Tick. Yes. Well, uh, a bunch of those people after that failed were like, let's try this again on Amazon. And uh, Warburton isn't uh, Warburton Warburton uh, isn't in the show really per se as the Tick like he was in the in the first one. Mm. But the guy they got to play the Tick, mm, Chef's kiss. Perfect, excellent. I'm here for it. I uh, I loved that cartoon as a kid. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then the last two things I had on the list were he wrote for something called Sky Surfer Strike Force, which sounds absolutely rad. And uh, one of my favorite animated movies, Batman: Mask of the Phantasm. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Classic. Um, yeah. Looking up Sky Surfer uh, Strike Force right now, it looks um. Uh, interesting. Uh, it looks kind of anime-y, actually. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Interesting. Be curious to dig into this a little more. Uh, so, uh, in, in into the into the episode, uh, we open up with uh, Raptor Sapiens uh, taking down 
the recently hung Australian flag that Tyree flew when uh, he thought he had retaken Australia. And uh, while, while that is happening, Tyree is attempting to coordinate the surviving members of the resistance, and he can't really reach anyone outside of the, uh, I think this is the parliament building in Canberra. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're, they're relatively certain that if there are survivors, there are too few to mount a meaningful resistance to this Neo-Sapien counterattack. Looks like Napier was right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, maybe you should have listened. Well, not only Napier, like, you know, the collective wisdom of like Winfield, Napier, and JT. It's like, maybe you should have listened to them. <laughs> all, all the people that know something about fighting war. Yeah. <laughs> like, like no no disrespect to Nick Tyree and his forces, but, you know, there is there's something to be said for uh, intelligence and planning, right? Yeah. Collective experience. Uh, yeah. Uh, else, elsewhere, Able Squad is attempting to repair their E-frames, primarily Alex, that has been mostly rendered inoperable, and uh, Torres leaves with everyone except Maggie and Alec to go back up JT while they stay and continue to try to get his E-frame working. Do we... Sorry, can I just clarify? Do we know where... Maggie, Bronski, Alec, and Maggie are at this point. Like, sorry, geez, I've repeated the same name twice. Rita, like, where the rest of the squad is. So if... Yeah, because if JT's in Canberra with Tyree, like, where is everyone else? Do we know? Just somewhere in the Australian countryside near there. That That's really all I could okay, concern. Okay, all right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't think... I don't think they really, like... Um go into where where they are they just kind of they just kind of leave and find a farm and chill out there for a while i guess uh so while this first while these first few scenes are going on the the scene with the rest of able squad didn't have this but like did did the animation look kind of weird to you when they were on jt and the rest of them like they looked very boxy yeah yeah, there's definitely it, it, like a moment I think because there's like a weird like Marsala face moment there too. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He looks like kind of weirdly stern, but also his head looks kind of small. And yeah, and then it cuts to JT, and there's a part where it's like his face is at one angle, and it looks kind of weird, and like kind of his eyes get real squinty and beady looking, and then he turns and he looks kind of normal again. And then he goes back to that angle and looks like weird and compressed again. Yeah, it was definitely yeah. like it's definitely like B team. Uh, I think B team's putting in an appearance here. And I'm not gonna say it was so bad that it took me out of the moment, but it was just like this looks funny. Yeah. Especially it's especially watching it in the in the fashion that we are. Like I don't say we're binging it, but you know it 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 brings it brings these things to light a little more. Um, the the animor the animorphs attack the resistance, <laughs> uh, for forcing them to flee from the. Uh, the parliament building in Canberra, but they flee. They try to flee at least, and a lot of them seem to be killed or captured as they are pushed back into the building for their only defensible position. Yeah, you get um, a really grim kind of moment here where the um, they're in those two shuttles uh, trying yeah. to fly out, and the one gets downed, and everybody like runs out of it. Um, and then all those crabs like emerge from the ground and like, or from the water and like grab them and just carry them back into the water. Presumably like we talked about last time to be dismembered and eaten. Uh, yep. Nightmare. Yeah, that was terrifying. Absolutely nightmarish. Um, not the way like, I would want to go. 
Yeah, which again, you know, we've, we've kind of talked about this with the the episode that was very similar to the thing and stuff. But there's like some just really nice like horror elements like mixed into this show. That yeah, top notch. And and they sell it with some of the facial animation work too. Uh, like you could t- like I really get the sense that these soldiers, especially like Marsala and Alec at one point, are like this is the most terrifying thing I've seen in my entire life. And I've been a, like a veteran of multiple conflicts and wars. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, cause it's not like, I mean, you know, all wars horrible, all wars horrifying. And like, you know, there's like, you know, there's grisly combat wounds and getting shot and blown up sucks. But like, there's something that just is like horrifyingly visceral about being dismembered by a giant crab monster. Yeah, yes. <laughs> that's a, that's another level. Let's not develop these things, please. Uh, right. I, I don't I don't care how much you want you want your animal DNA. Let's let's not do this. Um, it it just, just wonderful things from this fight too, because Able Squad shows up right or kind of right as this is happening or right as they start to get pushed back. Like we now see like Rhino Sapiens, which are yes. amazing. Um, <laughs> Uh, for some, uh, I also noticed for some reason Kaz is wearing a helmet. I don't know why. Uh, and Kaz gets shot down, or like so, someone like straps a bomb to his e frame. It's or the, something yeah, like one that. of the bats. It's one of the, the bats. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Oh no, I was gonna say because the bat sapiens do that also. Like one of the big transporters full of mm-hmm. um, resistance fighters, or whatever. Like they fly up and then strap a bomb to the actual airplane. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, and then Kaz. This is also the first time we see like Kaz has to eject out of his. Uh, E-frame, I guess, or his, like, E-fighter? What do you call it? His, his, I think it's called an exo-fighter. Okay, uh, So e, E-fighter, that's pretty good. Um, and, and, like, it actually made me stop and think for a second. How fast can these bats fucking fly? <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Actually, that's a really good point, because, like, how fast does he try? I mean, that thing has definitely got to be, like, capable of supersonic speed, like you would have, you would imagine... Uh, I, I would think so. Yeah. Yeah, okay, okay. Think about a. If you have you ever seen like a regular bat flying around? Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're fucking fast. They flip That's hither true. and thither very, very quickly. So they like flip maybe hither a... and thither. I love it. <laughs> That's what they do. That's like the only way I can describe the movement of a bat. All right. The only uh, way so... is to employ the words hither and thither. <laughs> Absolutely. So yeah, you've now you've got giant bats flying hithery and thithery in a very big way <laughs> so that's that's not where i thought you were going to go when you started that comment uh i, <laughs> I thought you were going to talk about how fucking stupid they look as they like flap about hither and thither so like all right i, I love mean, there's that too. i think they're super I, cool i love my bats main... too but <laughs> my my main complaint with actually the neo sapien like the animal bats here is that they are out during the day with like ah. eyes wide open and that their echolocation sounds like a dinosaur screech like there's one point where all the bats are like <laughs> like a raptor or something right i have uh I like, so by they... the way what's going okay. on here? by the no, way just, I, i've you know, looked the... it up oh sorry go ahead oh this is the animal nerd in me like the 12 year old kid who used to read like lots of books on dumb animal facts is just you know do, being super do... critical did you did you two used to love the books when you were a kid? They were just giant books of mostly like pictures of things like animals and guns and swords and shit. Yes. You yeah, ever, yeah, yeah. Do you ever see those book series? They were like big I, white hardcovered books, right? Yep. 
Yeah, I had yeah. one on Arms and Armor and one on Castles that I like loved. I, I used to I used to love I used to love those things like uh, that was that was my primary source of information about animals. It was also the way I always used to like cheat book reports. Like, <laughs> I'm doing a report on this book, and like I I think teachers started like saying well, I ha- they have to approve the book before you do your report because right. I did that shit because <laughs> it was ninety percent pictures. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Remember, remember, remember what I said. You're you're making a large assumption to believing that I can read. <laughs> <laughs> um, just as a fun side note, really quickly, I looked it up, and apparently the Brazilian free-tailed bat can achieve flight speeds of 100 miles per hour. What? Yes. <laughs> well, there you have it. So there is a bat that can travel 100 miles per hour. I still think Kaz's E fighter is gonna fly a little bit faster than that, but still 100 miles an hour. Uh, you heard it here, folks. Yeah. yeah. Uh, bat, bat sapiens, don't fuck around and find out. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, like we were saying, Kaz, Kaz gets uh, bat-bombed out of the air and launches out in the dejection seat, which has, like, a perfect gentle thrust landing. Like, <laughs> I... I'm used to stories of ejector seats. Actually, my mom has a good one where someone had like the ejector seat uh, on the runway that she was working at the base she was working at went off as he was just getting into the plane. Oh my gosh! And of course, it doesn't like you know it doesn't have enough room at that point to deploy its chute in any meaningful fashion. So the dude just landed real hard on his ass. <laughs> it was like, like he broke his tailbone and stuff, but he was fine Oof. after after that all healed. It was just like, yeah, you don't don't like you generally don't have a what one might call a cushy landing from that from that experience. Yeah, I'd imagine. Uh, it brought, uh, as he lands, he gets surrounded by a bunch of uh, animal sapiens. And, Who I would um, like to point out, one of them actually is just basically a neo sapien in an animal suit. I guarantee you. It, <laughs> There's like one. He's like in like an orange, like basically the Neo Sapien equivalent of like a furry costume, but he's like very yeah. clearly just a Neo Sapien. I, I I did see that, and I was like, "What is that supposed to be?" <laughs> I, I think it's just like some Neo Sapiens. Like, man, I want to go hang out with these animal ones and just like put an animal costume on. And he's the, very the, in the, solidarity with his animal f- siblings. There you go. <laughs> and a giant onesie. The seek the secret field commander. He he had to make himself look like an animal be, or an animorph because if he didn't, then uh, they would shoot him because they'd assume he was the co- field commander, right? There you go. Yeah, he's just snuck in. <laughs> he's incognito. <laughs> uh, the uh, the Br- Bronski makes a cool save with his grappling hook that uh, Kaz jumps onto and flies away before he's torn to shreds by giant animal sapiens. Um, <laughs> And then, like, th- after the- after this action scene, we just cut over to the Sydney Opera House, and she was like, blow that shit up. Boom. <laughs> yeah. Also, just, is it me, or is this, like, probably prime time for JT to use the solar flare? Oh yeah. Well, they couldn't show that. They like they like they could show they could show them getting blasted with like concussive force that is probably killing them, but they couldn't show like living creatures being disintegrated by JT's like super disintegration bomb true but i mean you could do some kind of like clever editing where it's like oh the mm-hmm. the you know like the bright light and they like put their hands up and they're like ah like shielding their eyes and then we cut to like jt and he's like ah, like shouting as he's like emitting all this like 
I don't know, nuclear radioactive energy or whatever it is. And then like, you know, we just see the aftermath and there's just, you know, how it carves like a perfectly like spheroid bowl in the ground and there's just smoking ruins, but there's no more monsters. Animorph shadows on the ground. Yeah, there you go. I like animorph shadows. That's (laughs) perfect. I I was just thinking about that, Lexi. Have you ever seen, oh, now I can't remember of it. There's this truly absolutely haunting Japanese cartoon from way back when. Yes, yes, that like literally shows Hiroshima. Yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. Oh my god, that's what I was (laughs) just thinking of there too. Dark. I I don't know if you've ever seen it, Kayvon, but don't. Nope, (laughs) sounds dark. No. Um, (laughs) So maybe a good thing that ExoSquad saved us having to watch something like that again. Although, again, I'm still like, a a man just was dragged into the ocean by a giant crab to drown. (laughs) Like, how much worse can it get? (laughs) (laughs) That's true. That's true. Uh, 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 Shiva complains that he's no more than a zookeeper now. And uh, then we cut over to Alec and Maggie. It is racist, right? See, this is why I believe, like, if the Neo Sapiens win, there's no good future for these for these guys. Like, Shame. the uh, the the Neo Sapien, the Alphas and Omega, or right, the the first ones were called Alphas, right? I think so. Yeah, Neo Alphas. Yeah, the Neo Alphas and the Neo Omegas. They would they would not they would not look eat with uh, an eye for equality and equity upon their animal. DNA brethren. Shit. Yeah, there's no, there's no like reparations or affirmative action program. For <laughs> animal sapiens. Oh my gosh. Oh man, Raptor sapien affirmative action though. I would actually, I wouldn't mind working at that office personally. <laughs> well, you that. know who's going to benefit the most from that? White woman. <laughs> oh, my God. oh i mean that's Sorry. true <laughs> i had to i had to because that's like literally what happened all right anyway yeah. anyway back to the episode <laughs> amazing uh alec uh maggie is getting frustrated with trying to fix alex e-frame and she kicks it a few times and it turns on and then they're attacked by a bunch of raptor sapiens um so like one opens the door and then the rest of them just fucking like kool-aid man through the wall right Um, i like that he takes the time to like very like suspensefully open the door there's no one standing there and then he just sticks his head around the corner like like perfect perfect Perfect, uh horror movie setup uh and these guys are tough like they take blasts and just Mm. get up like and we're talking we're talking about weapons that could blow up like jet fighters right <laughs> yeah yeah well it's a well-known it's actually a well-known paleontological fact that um raptors came with laser proof hides even during the paleolithic period you're not you're not tricking me this time professor <laughs> for <Shani. laughs> uh. you're you're full of shit <laughs> <laughs> i mean as are most academics we're being honest <laughs> <laughs> true, true. Uh, the um, they they spit acid, or they try to spit acid at Maggie and Alec. Uh, Maggie, her e frame is completely dusted, and like at some point, the acid hits like the hay in this barn, and the hay suddenly combusts into flames from that. But it's but, it's not 
it's not really clear because they also they shoot acid at like the supporting beam above Alec and Maggie and that just like it bursts into flames. So I don't know, are they shooting acid? Are they shooting lighter fluid? Like is well, the lizard maybe, a walking zippo? I don't understand. Maybe 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 they're actually shooting some kind of chemical that actually like comb- it does combust when exposed to air very shortly yeah. after it's it's sprayed, but it's also acid. So so you're so you're melting from acid and you're on fire. It's basically napalm, right? Like <laughs> I mean Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I mean maybe it's napalm and acid together. Uh-huh. Oh, terrible weapons of war. Because, <laughs> you know, I a fun fact, you used to actually be a chemistry major, and I don't think you can have... I don't think... Yeah, I, you can't have a hydrocarbon acid, because you need a metal, and acids have to have a metal. Oh, uh, okay. I Is think. that like a material component? Like, a, you have to have like a piece of hay or a feather from something you know yes because uh, all acid is made by D <laughs> wizards of course well Dull. they're actually just casting melf's acid arrow there you go <laughs> there it is the raptors are all third level uh third level wizards who don't have anything else to cast but melf's acid arrow and magic missile there you go i mean that sounds like any wizard i ever made so uh, <laughs> i mean what else do you take before you have third level spells right right uh the so Maggie's E-frame gets disabled, and the duo escape by flying through the ceiling, and they they make it to the edge of the desert before Alex's E-frame finally gives out completely. Um, Ma- Maggie, f- can I just point oh. out here? It's really funny because he just like again scoops her up, and I guess she's just like holding onto this big metallic arm, flying hundreds of meters above the earth, in what must be like a terrifying I don't know you know you could like just fall at any moment they fly like halfway across the outback we don't even know where they are at this point and then as his e-frame starts to disintegrate or break down or whatever like they go like up down up down over some rocks and then she just like falls out and somehow spins mid-air to land like on her feet in the desert (laughs) well part part of part of exofleet training is is like the very first five weeks is just nothing but acrobatics that that's why that's why Brodsky can do like a forward flip. Yeah. yeah. Do you reckon there's any kind of like physiological enhancements? Like they have you know like an extra gland or something installed or whatever that like makes them more agile, faster, stronger, whatever. Well, like I, I have to I have to imagine that if 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 we're if we're at the point where we can just fucking make people that are faster, stronger, smarter better at everything like we we've got to have some kind of gene therapy for regular people right 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 exactly something that like either gene therapy or like you know chemical cocktails glands that you get installed whatever it is um because yeah every like bronski being somehow secretly also an acrobat is like i mean kind of searching for other explanations but i don't really think there's much uh out there that's going to help explain that I mean, the explanation is he's a fucking badass, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> this is true. He is he is hands down the best character on the show. B is for badass, and B is for Bronski. Um, <laughs> the uh, after they crash, uh, they're like, "Well, we got to trek across this desert to escape pursuit because you know these guys are obviously pursuing us." 
I don't know. I, I actually don't really understand why they assume that, but I mean, it's a good assumption because it's right. Uh, and Maggie takes the fusion pack from Alex Ephraim, indicating like we aren't being taken prisoner by these. So let's if it comes to it, we're just gonna blow them up along with us, and um, they Fair. start trekking across the desert. Yeah. What did you uh, say the rock they were heading towards was, hon? It's not clear. And I, I did a little bit of research this morning because I was trying to figure out where they might be coming from, which is why I was asking. Um, so it looks like what has up until recently been known as Ayo's Rock or Ayo's Rock, um, which is like this massive, incredibly famous rock formation in basically like the middle of Australia in the outback. Mm -hmm. The indigenous name that it is more commonly used now is Uluru. Um and I, I wasn't sure if the show was kind of making reference to that because it looks similar-ish. Um, if you look at pictures of like Ayo's Rock or Uluru, you'll see what I'm talking about. Um, mm. It's just like an incredibly famous sacred site and like rock formation in Australia. Yeah, it's it's a, it's it's that it's the rock formation they use in every movie or show that was ever, that was ever made in Australia, right? Yeah, and the yeah, outback. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'm looking at pictures of it. It looks pretty cool. Um, do you reckon somebody like went to Australia on like a vacation and came back and they were like writing this season and were, like, oh, we need like a exotic locale to put this story arc in. Like, Aha, I've got just the one. I mean, there there are there have been animation projects where people do things like that. Uh, like famously, um, I guess not not in the in the sense of uh, going somewhere to like be able to draw it but i know that P i know that there are some animation projects that do that but my favorite story in that vein is the original ghost in the shell movie because mm -hmm. um, of course it was made by almost 100 percent japanese people right mm -hmm. well when they first did a couple of the scenes they're like does anyone actually know what it looks like when a bullet hits something <laughs> oh, and because it's japan they were all like no <laughs> so the animation studio sent them all to i think australia and a bunch of gun rages and had them like shoot guns for like two weeks just <laughs> so they could animate it perfectly that's fantastic that's I mean, that's that really makes a lot of sense yeah yeah and that's why that's one of the reasons that movie is uh you know a classic masterpiece of anime right like heck yeah uh so um they what happens next oh the the resi the back at the back with the resistance and jt and napier and marsala and able squad um they're trying to plan an escape and they're like well we don't there's no real way for us to escape and jt says okay well we will stay and and help and hopefully hold out until we figure out what to do and tyree is like no i don't do that you're just gonna die if you do that and he, Tyree says, we have to get Napier out of here. He's the he's important to the resistance. Mm. And Marsala says, well, I can get Napier out in our in the stealthy frame while the rest of everyone st stays and tries to mount a, res an, a, a defense so they can get out. And they agree to this plan. Um, back to Maggie and Alec. Uh, they follow a bird to water. And they say, like, remember basic training or survival training where birds fly to water at night. I didn't Google it because that would be boring. Do either of you know if that's true? <laughs> so I did Google it because I am boring. 
Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, turns out that uh, that does actually happen. A lot of waterfowl uh, like to go to uh, water at night. Um, oh. Also, because I guess the uh, they sleep there um, because if anything splashes in the water, like a predator kind of coming out waiting out to get them or something, uh, it wakes them up. The vibrations in the water. Man, nature is fucking awesome. Yeah, uh, it's, right? it's it's a pretty like amazingly complex system. Uh, the, so they follow this bird to a river, and they're drinking from the water, and they look up, and they just see this like ginger shirtless man across <laughs> across the river <laughs> staring at them. <laughs> this, and he's holding this, a spear. Yeah, I'd like to yeah. point out. <laughs> it's a very tasteful depiction of. <laughs> the, the indigenous people of Australia. <laughs> Sorry, Oof. I shouldn't laugh. Terrible. Yeah, no, I mean it's it's it, it's one of those things where like nowadays you'd be like, this is kind of this is pretty problematic, but like yeah. also in its absurdity, there is a, at least a small smidgen of humor, right? Yes. Um, yeah. oh, it's like it, it's kind of like you yeah. know, it's like what I what I like to call kind of like. Uh, grandpa racism where it's like there's no ill will behind it it's just that's how the things were done in their times and like you know we've we've since moved on but they really haven't because you know they're old people um so it's like one of those things where it's like yeah this is bad but it's also just kind of funny because like grandpa doesn't know any better um and that's yeah kind of what this sort of feels like the problem is grandpa can vote (laughs) (laughs) yeah 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 fair enough but it's like this is assuming your grandpa's not actually like an incorrigible racist and is just like an old guy who just who hasn't caught up with the fact that like you know we call black people black people are african-americans now and not you know terms that people used in the 40s but don't use anymore um right you know it's like grandpa's not a klansman grandpa's just out old-fashioned and outdated that's kind of what this felt like and that's what makes it funny because it's old yeah yeah uh you you can give it you can give it some semblance of leeway but also don't do it again uh yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you re, if you remake the series do this part better yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hi, hire actual aboriginal script writers and stuff to kind of help you help you with this part and and isn't isn't that always like the thing like if you just hire a writer who's lived that experience you could probably avoid a lot of judgments from people like us <laughs> yes well, and again, like that just, I don't think that was a thing until much yeah. more recently. Like it should yes. have been, but right. Like there was just not a thing people were thinking about in the early nineties when the show yeah. was being made, yep. um, which is obviously reflected in the content. And which is why I think now we're seeing, uh, you know, more interesting stuff coming out from different kinds of writers who are bringing that perspective but yeah. whatever like i don't want to labor this point too much because it's yeah. it's just yeah. a couple of episodes in the show and i can just understand from budget perspective you're like how are we going to find someone to write these two episodes for <laughs> right right um and i mean but, to their know. to their credit for this time period this is the early 90s the fact that they're trying to do bless their hearts as best they can like a tasteful depiction of aboriginal peoples and in fact they're just including like hey australia has like an indigenous people we're gonna put them in here and tell you a little bit about yeah. their like culture maybe not in the best way possible mm. but like <laughs> for early 90s like okay kudos credit where credit's due they bless their hearts they're doing their best they hashtag you tried uh yeah. <laughs> hashtag bless your little heart yeah yeah um this uh this guy's name is danny 
uh, I didn't write down his last name, but uh, he he's, he he speaks perfect English to them, uh, indicating right away that he's maybe not like, on a, like he wasn't raised by the by the tribe that he lives with now. He he was he actually kind of immigrated into it. Um, well, so because he also mentions his brother George is part of the resistance right. back in Melbourne, and we've actually already met George because he's with um, Tyree in the previous episode. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, George is like, and he's the one with the interesting. He's got like a hair on the top, and then this like shaved section around the middle, and then a little bit of like a mullet at the back. I think that's he, George. He, he's the guy who stayed behind in Can Can Canberra, Canberra, yes, uh, yeah. to to set up the Parliament House. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, I believe that's George. So Danny and George are from the city, as far as I know, or I can yeah, tell. He... And like, Danny opted to go into the outback and kind of get away from the conflict. Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay, uh, so he offers to take the the two to his to his home uh, with the tribe. Um, we, uh, we we see that uh, the Raptor Sapiens have found Alex Ephraim and I guess are following his scent uh, to pursue them. Um, Danny succeeds in convincing the village leaders to let Alec and Maggie stay, uh, even though they know of the danger. Uh, because they believe that the Neos, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, the, the show's words, not mine. They believe that the Neo Sapiens were sent to destroy all the things that the European colonizers built to bring back the dream time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> This might be a good point to turn it over to our resident uh, Southern Hemispheric expert. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> as a PhD I'm in I'm Southern tap- Hemisphere. Lexi? I'm tapping out. <laughs> yes, as a white woman, I would like to speak for the entire Southern Hemisphere. Um, <laughs> no, so actually, I did try to do a little bit of research on this before we recorded. Um, because I, context, I remember having this book of world mythology as a child and the dream time was actually something that was like in one of the chapters Mm. so this rang a bell and then i was like okay but clearly what i'm getting from my kids mythology book in the 1990s and what we're getting from this tv show in the 1990s is probably not accurate um so i did try to look this up the dream time or the dreaming as it's sometimes called is actually uh surprise surprise like the (laughs) the white name given to it so that was kind of early anthropologists in the like 1890s who were traveling slash colonizing Australia um, and collecting obviously stories and like speaking to Aboriginal peoples. So there is a sense that among the multiple different groups, tribes um, of indigenous people in Australia, this thing called the dream time or the dreaming as we would call it is like a, a feature across a lot of different groups, even though there might be differences among groups and how they understand it or use it. It's actually an incredibly difficult term to try to describe to non-Indigenous people. Like, it's it's very contentious because it incorporates so many different things that to try and understand the complexity, like, we would actually really need to, I don't know, do our homework insofar as we would have to like, go live in Australia and try to understand um the perspectives of these aboriginal people but uh, (laughs) as your white woman southern hemisphere expert the best i can give in terms of like a very brief description is some kind of 
understanding of like the present past and future is all connected like it seems very dialectical right so like okay um it's a kind of cosmology or like a way of understanding the world that includes physical spiritual moral aspects um the ways in which people should interact with nature and with each other but it also includes kind of um and i don't want to use the word myth because that was how again like white european colonists were talking about this spiritual practice or this religion but it's it's like creation myths or creation stories about how the world came to be it's stories about the spirits who created various aspects like i don't know i would love any australians especially if they're actually indigenous australians who have ever listened to the show to really like tell us where we're going wrong here because i'm giving the most basic like wikipedia and a couple of other reference sources explanation that i could find and i found a very intense academic article just talking about how difficult it is to try and um explain what this concept is so it is a real thing it does exist obviously the show is like giving us you know like a not even a wikipedia <laughs> explanation <laughs> um but i did find it interesting that apparently in the early 1990s this concept of the dream time or the dreaming became more popularized like in popular culture in general with the kind of new age spirituality stuff going on so it's also possible that whoever was writing the show you know well I guess Mark Edens and uh, Martin Pascoe for this episode, they'd probably encountered this concept like through popular culture or maybe one of them had gone to Australia. I don't know, but yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting. Like, and the sense that yeah, past, present and future are connected. So, yeah. so I don't know. So, Sorry, I'm tapping out. Like that's all I yeah. can tell you based <laughs> no, on great. like 30 minutes of research. <laughs> no, that, that is, that is, that is you you probably i'm not going to say that they didn't do any research on the show but the fact that you looked it up even in that even to that extent um i'm willing to bet it's that uh you did more research than most of the people <laughs> who put this into their media yeah. <laughs> i'm not not gonna not gonna accuse eden Plasco of doing that but it's a strong possibility <laughs> well it's also, it's a it's a throwaway reference in like a 20 minute kids episode exactly and exactly. you're just not going to be able to explain the complexity and the depth of something like this right in don't, that context but just for our listeners just so you know like if this is something that you really would have to do a lot of research to understand because it's actually a very interesting complex deep cosmological viewpoint yeah and yeah, they could just your... uh oh sorry go ahead dave uh, don't don't base don't base your graduate thesis on what Danny tells them in a second here. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's like you know back then they probably they didn't have the internet, so just like oh let me just like look up what Wikipedia says about exactly. the dream time. Yeah. And that's where it's like yeah. this this episode kind of has the vibe of somebody went on vacation and like maybe toured Ayers Rock and got like a little bit of a, a you know like some tour guides like little like. 10 minute spiel on the dream times mm -hmm. and then was like yeah. rad we're gonna put that in an episode that's awesome fucking rad yeah dream times. <laughs> which like i mean again fair enough is like and probably in their like you know it's like early 90s brain of like i'm gonna like i'm gonna depict these people and include them in the story they were probably deeply moved by whatever tour guide was telling them about indigenous life and indigenous struggles with colonialism and like the, i mean like i do i don't know a ton of, about like aboriginal history but i know enough to tell you that they uh, were victims of some pretty brutal and savage colonial stuff oh, yeah. all the way up until like now, um, you know, yeah. uh, this stuff was going on, you know, they were still like hunting these people like uh, post-World War II and stuff like that. So, you know, I could see this as somebody kind of wanting to 
include them and you know have this try and incorporate some portion of their culture into this and in a way that you know like it was probably pretty well-meaning all told yeah even if and they, i mean just the f- you know just just the fact that danny talks about like you know the the fact that these native people don't want these like any remnants of these colonizers to be there right yeah. like that's pretty mm-hmm. forward thinking for the time yeah. i think yeah yeah, Dave mentions colonization to begin with, which then, you know, yeah. I mean, we get like it, it, it kind of slots neatly into, I think, the whole like kind of colonial imperialist matrix of relations between Terrans and Neo Sapiens also. Right. You know, you have the kind of Mars as a colonized space and, you know, there's no indigenous life on Mars, but the way that Neo Sapiens pre uh pre Phaeton's war are treated is as like almost like a colonial subject people. Right. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. There's a lot of complexity here that, you know, again, if we ever do get a uh, remake, there's a lot of room to explore some really good stuff here. Totally. This needs to be like a 10-episode arc of Maggie and Alec, like, living among these people and having, like, spiritual awakenings. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Overcoming their Western rationality. Yeah. yeah. Well, or it's like a way to really kind of put into context what Terrans have done to Neo Sapiens and why Neo Sapiens are as pissed and and brutal as they are towards Terrans. That would be a better way to write it, yes. I guess if you're going for good stories. Danny takes uh, Alec and Maggie through, through a cave with a bunch of paintings on it that resemble things that happened in the past mixed with things happening in the present and maybe even some indicators of things that may come to pass. Uh, yeah. And... We, we get like a really great depiction of like, it's just like kind of a blue, almost skeleton looking guy. And Alex stops. and He's like, obviously this is a Neo sapien. Like, is it? Or did the guy just like blue? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like, I love the conclusions. Like, Oh yes, definitely this, like, Kind of, you know, very simplified drawing of a any kind of humanoid is clearly a Neo-Sapien. Mm-hmm. Well, it's also funny because he says, um, oh, the more recent pictures are drawn in the same style as the old ones. And Danny corrects him and says, no, like, these are actually thousands of years old. And Maggie's like, yeah, right, like, kind of brushes him off. So, again, Oy. it's it's interesting, right? There's, like, these little moments, like you say, where... The show is kind of half almost getting to a point where it's reflecting on, again, like that colonial relationship. Um, but obviously it doesn't really take it much further than that. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, again, mostly probably because 20 minute kids cartoon, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Uh, Alec and Maggie sleep in the cave and uh, wake up from simultaneous nightmares to uh, nightmares of. Uh, Maggie basically seeing the world be destroyed by a massive explosion. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, they they wake up to find Raptor Sapiens attacking the village. Don't the we tribe, see, uh, I think we see some cave paintings of Raptor Sapiens also chasing like two yep, little yes. people. Uh-huh. Yep. In the background. Yeah. <laughs> yeah right. As they're yeah. dreaming. Yeah. Fantastic. I love that. It's like, oh, they're also Nostradamus. <laughs> <laughs> That's the dream time, Kayvon, obviously. <laughs> I, I like this li- I like this little scene where like it's just one raptor at the beginning and the tribe is fighting him, but he's not like really fighting back. And Alex like, why isn't he just killing them? Because he can. He says, Oh, 
he's holding us here for some reason. And just as he says that, more Raptor sapiens like pour over the walls and drive everyone back into the caves that they were in. Uh, Danny try they 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 not or Alec blows up the entrance to the cave to slow the pursuit and they get deeper in to go out one way and Danny says to Alec and Maggie that there's another way out and he can show it to them so they can maybe escape and get back to their squad. Uh, Alec sends uh, says no we've got to protect your people you go on ahead Maggie and I will slow them down and Maggie Maggie says I'll set a timer on this fusion pack so that you can lure them into it and hopefully we can take them out. Uh, and we get this we get this great scene where Alec and Maggie like run up forward back to where the entrance was collapsed. Alec kind of shoots a few of them to lure them in, and he both of both Maggie and Alec run away. And Alec jumps forward, knocking over knocking over Maggie, just barely escaping the explosion. Um, I love and- how the explosion is animated as just like a spray of orange that flies yeah. like, right over their heads. It's it's not great. It's, but it kind of is, and it's like kiddishness. I don't know. I thought yeah. that was really funny. Again, if you want to be an adult looking at this like super critically, you'd be like, yeah, he would have broken her clavicle when he landed on top of her with like his gun or whatever, but yeah, whatever. And, and, <laughs> and also the shockwave probably would have just like liquefied their bones. Like. <laughs> that too. Um, Ma- Maggie uh, <laughs> Maggie berates Alec for being so reckless even though she's the one who sent the bomb <laughs> right. and, um, and oh go ahead this is where we get the first kiss too right between the two of yep. them yep Ma- Mag- our, our, our old maybe, maybe shipping of Maggie and Kaz seems to Maybe no longer be a thing. She only has eyes for her French dreamboat, Alec. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, because that was like the because yeah, she kisses Kaz like during a kind of intense moment at the end of the first season, right? When they're like kind of fighting to well, it, keep the fleet alive or something like that. I think, right? Yeah. Doesn't she do it to basically trick someone? Mm, I think she. I think there's like a point where they like they. I can't. One of them saves the other one or something. Um, they're in like combat and the whole thing is like pretty, pretty gnarly. And I think it's just like, it's almost just like, she's like, just like, Oh my God, I'm so glad to see you kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. she just like pecks him and Kaz is like, Oh, and he like, he gets like all blushy and quiet. Um, but then we don't really follow this never followed up with beyond that. And it's like, it's not like a, you know, anything really came of it kind of thing. It's probably just like an in the moment spur of the, you know, kind of spur of the moment, emotional outpouring kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and the final scene of the final scene of the episode is Marsala getting ready to escape the Parliament House while cloaked with Napier. Mm-hmm. Um, I like I, there's there's a little part where Marsala is like he says some MacArthur quote and Napier's like who the fuck's MacArthur? <laughs> well, yeah, MacArthur. Napier says like I'll be back, which is like or I will return, I shall return, something like that, which is like the MacArthur quote. And then yeah, Marsala's like oh yeah, you sound like MacArthur. And I, I love, just like in everything else, Marsalis is better than everyone because he's obviously highly educated in human history. Um, uh, 
and we get an end card for JT, which we've seen before. Yeah. If I were Napier, it's like, that's kind of, it's, it's kind of funny because like comparing someone to MacArthur, honestly, is kind of an insult because he was honestly yeah. a giant chode. Um, so it's like, it's like, is he making fun of him there? Like what's happening? <laughs> He's like, oh I, yeah. All right. MacArthur or whatever. <laughs> like, I, I, I feel, I feel like, um, this show probably has more more reverence for some military figures than you know not maybe taking a critical eye to some of their terrible yeah. actions so like they probably were like gung-ho for macarthur and that was that was the case but it would have been great if marsala did was trying to get at that <laughs> yeah i mean they, this is a written by a generation of people who probably i mean honestly some of them probably were born in or around world war ii um and, mm-hmm. and still at a time when we kind of looked at him as a hero and before some of the sort of historical revisionism uh, revisionism got to work on the record and realized like actually he's a, a monstrous chode yeah uh and that's that's it for this for this week um do you guys got anything you want to plug or tell everyone about uh i'm I'm trying to think. No, I, I would like to plug the Grand Canyon because uh, <laughs> we we went there last week and it was great. It's very grand. That's the only thing I would like to uh, to support this week. Yeah, Gra- go, the Grand. Go check the out Grand, the Grand Canyon. The Grand Canyon. Exo friends approved. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yes, and I guess yes. you know on that in that uh, in that vein, shout out to the town of Cayenta, Arizona, for hosting us. Um, we got a little Airbnb. It's a tiny, cute little desert town uh, up in northeastern Arizona in Navajo country, actually, which we didn't realize uh, when we booked it was Navajo country. So, boy, were we surprised uh, when we got there, <laughs> and uh, we were like, I was like, wow, I've never actually seen this many uh, Indigenous Americans in my life uh, in one place before. Um, but uh, shout out to the town and to the Amigo Cafe, which was absolutely delightful. Uh, really nice food. Yeah. Uh, really, really good vibes in that town. Yeah. It's great. Cool. Good deal. I don't have anything to plug this week, so I think we'll I think we'll end it there. Yeah. Uh, stay safe, happy, and healthy, everyone. Yeah. Bye. 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 Bye.